Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. All right, buckle in, y'all. We're here for another episode of the High Impact Man podcast. We're bringing the energy late at night. We're recording in the Nan Cave Studios in Danville, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Nevin Gorky, known as D-Fib to my F3 brothers. Uh, we got a really special guest here uh, today to share his story. Yeah, he's part of F3, but only recently. Uh, his story is one of overcoming uh, some medical issues and, uh, and following his calling, which is to preach. And you'll find out a little bit more about that and how he had overcome these medical issues to get back and, and find his way back into the pulpit and to be a high-impact man. Uh, so I'm joined, as always, by Troy Klinger, known as Dial-Up in the uh, F3 Gloom. Dial-Up, you ready for another one? I'm ready for another one, yeah. Looking forward to this one. Sounds like a great story and look forward to uh, to hearing the whole yeah. story. And before you know, before we bring Outhouse, before we bring you in, I got to tell you that Dial-Up and I, at least I, am so curious. How the heck did he get the name Outhouse? Do you have any guesses? Do you have a guess? Hmm. Maybe... You're better at this than I am. Yeah, so. I'm. I'm torn between some type of like he had a job working like Roto Rooter. I no, I was going like porta potties, like oh, he okay. like he hauled porta potties or like clean porta potties or something like that. Uh-huh. That or he, he doesn't look old enough to have grown up in a house that had an outhouse. Well, uh, um, that's the other that's the other place I would have I would have went. But I anyway, will, I will qualify that with this. <laughs> you grew up in a house with an outhouse? No, but my grandmother. <laughs> Still, at, they were still an outhouse in her backyard when I was growing. Oh. Very young, but I remember it. Interesting. It smelled horribly. Yeah, but, our, uh, our our cabin has an outhouse. I'm sure that's emptied yeah. often. often. Yes. Oh, <laughs> never, <laughs> never. <laughs> Since 1927, that's a cabin. So between uses, it has plenty of time to degrade and sure dissipate. Okay. Yeah. And when you have an outhouse, I got. I got. When you have an outhouse. You dig a hole in the ground, right? And you put this box over it. So the stuff just goes in deep in the ground, right? You don't put a box over it. You put an outhouse over it. I mean, it's just a box. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. That's sure. what I thought. And then what you, you move it every once in a while and you just cover it up. No, it, 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 it's just all natural enzymes, dude. It just... I thought you had to move it once in a while. Okay. No. All right. Well, it depends on the amount of usage it gets. It's, like not, like it's, hole a, it's it not like it's a Penn State tailgate weekend or something <laughs> like that at a football game and like every person all that's right. there, all 109,000 fans are using the same oh, outhouse. Okay. All right. Anyway. All right. Spielberg, do you have a guess? Spielberg says no. All right. Well, we're going to ask him. Let's bring him in and ask him. All right. Uh, Steve Best is his real name and his uh, F3 nickname is Outhouse. So Outhouse, first tell us how you got involved with F3, who EH'd you, who brought you into F3, and how did you get the name Outhouse? Well, um, about two months ago, uh, I had an invite from my friend, uh, uh, Pennies, and uh, when I got there, we had a great workout, and then they asked me to tell my story, And I told a story about uh, going to a mission trip. And uh, we were there just to build a house and and to uh, cheer Jesus with people. But um, as we were building this house, the uh, missionary, they wanted us to dig an old outhouse, an old house. uh, well, <laughs> it is an outhouse, and they wanted us to go 10 feet down. And, uh, and so I was just pennies. His real name is Caesar. We both were on this mission trip, and we were digging 10 feet down in the earth for these oh, families. So I just told about digging this hole and they called me outhouse. All right. <laughs> so were you digging a hole for an outhouse or are you digging a hole at it where an old outhouse had been? Yeah, they had an uh, had an uh, outhouse. They had an old outhouse that has not been used for about 10 years and we dig 
back down a ah. uh, hole for them. So it was an old outhouse. And uh, I never thought in a million years that I would do that. Right. <laughs> what, so, kind, what country so, was it? Hold on. So interesting. Right. So interesting enough. We'll go back to what country this is. Interesting enough, there's like people that do this, I know, around here. They dig outhouses? That they find where old outhouses are, and they, they, they do a dig, and they find all kinds of like cool artifacts because people would not only use the outhouse for its intended purpose, but they would just like throw like antique like jars and just random stuff down the hole. And people go and they dig these outhouses and they find out they find all these cool pieces of history and relics that okay, sometimes so I, could be worth some money. I've I've heard the phrase uh-huh. one man's garbage is another man's treasure. Yes. This is one man's poop <laughs> is another man's could be another treasure. Man's treasure. Okay. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, not worth it. I think that's not worth it. Anyway, so it's a, it's a real hobby, I think, for some folks. I, I don't. I, I, maybe it's a calling. All right. <laughs> anyway, all right. So back. What country were you in? Well, it's uh, called Nicaragua. Nicaragua. That's, yeah. <laughs> work for me now. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. I know. I know. I'm sorry. We. I, but uh, Nicaragua. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, do you frequently do mission trips down there? Yes, um, in the last oh, 20 years, I have been all over the world, India, uh, Kenya, uh, down South America, Central America, Europe. So, yes, I have been all over the world. Now, when you do these mission trips, um, were you uh, doing it primarily for preaching purposes or were you doing it uh, to do construction or, you know, what, what kind of, or just relief, what were you doing? It's a combination. Uh, we would preach, we would take, uh, food to, uh, uh, each house and offer them food. And, and then we would say, uh, man, we have something that will last far longer than this box of food. Yeah. We would, we will cheer with you, Jesus. So, um, so yeah, it's all all kinds of things on these mission trips. Were they mostly to underserved areas? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I was. In, yeah, yeah. In India, we went to a place they have no Christian at all, yeah. and that was really hard. Yeah, I'll bet. Were you, were you guys persecuted at all? No, not really. But uh, uh, it's just hard to get a. Uh, we were planting seeds, but it, it was not really a, a, a time to get a harvest. Right. Got it. All right. So, um, how old are you? I'm fifty-six. All right. I'm going to be fifty-six in September, brother. Me and you. All right. All right. <laughs> I don't know about you, but 50 was a big one for me. That's it's uh, it, that's when uh, things started to change a little bit. You, dial up. You're almost there. One, I'm getting close. Less yeah, than a year. Less than a year for respect. Yeah, he's almost in the respect category. But anyway, for those of you who don't know, uh, F3, our workout group, um, if you're 50 to 59, you're in the respect category. If you're 60 to 69, you're respect, respect, and so forth. So you got two respecters here. Uh, cool, and you just you just got into F three, so let's let's uh, that at fifty six. That's amazing. So let's let's turn back time a little bit. Did you grow up in Idaho? You were mentioning it uh, before we came on the air. Uh, is that where you grew up? I, I uh, grew up in Washington State. Okay. All right, because you mentioned a, you're a Boise State fan, right? Or you were? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Washington. I pastored in Oregon and then moved over to Boise. Okay, got it. So what was life like for you when you were growing up? What was your family life like? You know, how, how were things in Washington? Yeah, that's a great question. My dad and mom were uh, solid. They were Christians. Uh, my dad was a policeman. He is six foot four and uh but he always led worship in our churches as a volunteer and he can sing and uh anyway i have two younger brothers 
and uh, we were all, always in sports. Okay, what kind of sports did you play? Basketball, football, baseball, and then golf. Okay. Do you have a favorite one? Well, right now it's golf. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going golfing tomorrow. I'm terrible, but I still keep going. Amen. All right. As Mark Twain once said, it's a good walk spoiled, but uh, it's still a good walk, <laughs> although I'm riding. <laughs> we got a beat down tomorrow, a ruck beat down. I think I'll probably be taking the cart tomorrow. Ooh. Anyway. Yeah, I know. It's I know. to be walk. I know, I know. But uh, sometimes you just got to take the cart when it's there. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like 90 tomorrow, so we're going to need the cart. Okay. Uh, so, Outhouse, uh, you grew up in uh, Washington. Uh, where'd you go to school? I went to uh, Richland uh, uh, High School and then went up to uh, Eastern Washington University. All right. And I saw you sent us uh, in your bio that when you were age 15, you uh, received the call to preach when you were 15. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah I was at a youth camp. And I didn't know what the call was about, but I knew God was uh, calling me to pastor and prepare to preach. And so I wrote down in my Bible, and I have the Bible right here, uh, from way back then, July 15th, 15th, 1981. And so that was just uh, uh, on the Friday. Yeah, so that was you just passed that anniversary. Yeah, yes. Wow. So it's been so eighty one, ninety one, oh one, eleven, thirty one years. Well done. Did I get that right? I think so. <laughs> just thirty one years. Yeah. All right. So when did you start preaching? Did you start preaching? Because sometimes you could preach even at an early age before you were ordained or anything like that. Some churches allow that. Did you do that? Yeah, yeah. The first time well, I was just. 13. It was a youth, uh, uh, youth, uh, deal at our church. And so all the, our, all our, of our families were there and I preach and I practiced this sermon and I was up to about 25 or 30 minutes on my tape recorder. When I got out, it was only five minutes, uh-huh. but that was my first time. <laughs> <laughs> like anything else, it takes practice, right? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, we rely on the Holy Spirit, but uh, but still, uh, it takes practice. Uh, I had the opportunity to do some preaching early in my life, and uh, not early in my life, but a few years ago, and uh, I found out, and teaching, like I... I led some men's groups and the one we did like about 20, 30 minute teaching time before we broke out into small groups. And, uh, the, I did the very first one cause I started this group and I did the first presentation. It took me like 45 minutes. I had about 40 PowerPoint slides. And one of the guys wisely told me that I need to really reduce my ma- amount of PowerPoint slides and I need to talk a little bit less. So, um, I did. And then we got it down. I don't know, dial up. You were there. We were doing like 20, 30 minute talks yeah. and like 10 somewhere slides there. or something like that. Yeah. You definitely yeah. improved and got better. Yeah. So just like anything else. Yeah. You got to take practice. Uh, and yeah. it requires some candor from people to tell you, you know, dude, you need to, you're a little loquacious there. You might want to dial it back. You like that word loquacious? Loquacious. Yeah. I always love you and your big words. <laughs> I'm a simple man. I don't always know if I use them correctly, but there you go. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what did you study at, uh, I forget the, University, you told me, Eastern Washington? Yeah, I was in uh, psychology and sociology. Uh, And then after that, I went to uh, a seminary, uh, Golden Gate. Okay. Is Is Golden Gate in San Francisco? Yeah, but I went to the Port... Portland, Oregon branch of that. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. You got out of college. What did you do then? Uh, I started preaching at, at uh, I was on a staff and uh, my wife uh, and I got married when I was in college. Her name is Chris and we have three kids now. So we were 
just uh, serving the Lord, had the kids, uh, they were growing up, and we moved from Washington to Oregon, over to Idaho, and later on to uh, Utah. Okay, you're moving around quite a bit. And I just realized, so for those of you who are trying to do the math, I was wrong. It wasn't 31, it was 41, and I realized that because in his bio, he said he was married for 34 years, and I oh. know he didn't get married when he was, 30, when he was 15 years old. So, I, was, I had the math wrong there. It just hit you. But I, 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 I know I, there's some people I, out there who are I saying... I didn't catch it. Like, you were counting with your fingers, I, so yeah, I just well, assumed you had it right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that some people out there are listening and saying, no, you didn't get that right. Idiot. It's 41. Figure out. <laughs> All right. I, I, I got an eraser. Fixed it. Uh, okay, so why did you hop around? I mean, you went to uh, different churches. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. I, I was um, I was starting a church in Oregon. I w- went to a, a, a good church in Idaho, and then w- and then I went to the. Uh, I was serving over two states, uh, Utah and Idaho, as a missionary. Okay, were you church planning? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, I was work, working with church planters. Yes. Okay. All right. So we're going to get into um, more of your story, uh, the the stroke that you had, and and how you dealt with that, and things like that. But i i have um, I have a question for you because uh, as an elder at my church, and I've thought about this question for a long time, and I don't know the real answer. And maybe there isn't a real answer. But what do you think the ideal size is for a church? Ooh, good one. That is a great question. <laughs> it takes all uh, it takes all types of churches to reach all kinds of people, and so um, there there are great house churches, and there are plenty of mega churches. And so I, I, if the Lord is there. His Holy Spirit is there. The word is being preached. Um, It's not a size. It's just an environment, uh, a a real church. Uh, So I love love house churches. I like the small churches. But uh, all I know, if they have a mission and they're going after people, that is good for me. Making disciples, right? Yes. Okay. I guess a better question is... <laughs> I was going to say, did I answer your question? No, still no. Like, so it, it did. It did. It's a great answer. Yeah, but, it is. It's a great uh, answer. But I, I'm going to boil it down a little differently. How many people should... What's the ratio of pastor to flock? Yeah. And I, I can answer this. I started a church in rural Oregon. And so we we grew from 15 to about 150. And that was a great size church. Uh, I also pastored a church in Cleveland, Tennessee. It was 2,500. And uh, we had a, a large staff there. And so um, to tell the truth, when I was in the smaller churches and I knew everybody that was good for me. Right. Yeah. And that's what I worry about when we get to mega churches. Uh, I worry about, um, cause a pastor means shepherd, right? And a shepherd's supposed to know his flock and there's no shepherd that's going to know his flock. If he's responsible for 500 people or a thousand people or whatever, you just can't. Um, and so that's one of the things that I, I sort of, bounce around in my head i think my uh my retired pastor and i'm gonna and he's gonna i'm gonna send him this episode for sure i'm gonna talk to him i can't remember the number for sure but i think he said once you get to 150 or so he might have said 200 but i think he said 150 it gets really difficult uh to know everybody and to really know everybody and he was a real people person he was he was he's one of my mentors amazing man genuinely cared and loved everybody, loved the Lord, um, smart. Uh, so he he would know, he'd meet you once, he'd remember your name, your wife's name, your kid's name, your dog's name, your cat's name. Where you're from. Where you're from, that kind of guy. Uh, so he uh, was in tune to like knowing 
his flock and that kind of thing. And so I just remember that number that he threw out there. Anyway, I'm, I don't know how many people are in, that are listening to this are interested in this, but but it's an interest of mine. So yeah. I get to ask it because I'm the host. So you know. And he always called us that. What in, what do you call it? Like I forget what the word between church in between or something. He, he, I think he had some other term that he used for it, but like big enough. Like we were too small that we didn't have we didn't have enough staff for. Um, for the number of people, for the number of people, but we didn't have the resources to hire more staff. Right, but we didn't have <laughs> we were, right. We didn't have the resources to hire more staff. Right, we were in that yeah, that yeah. land where we were just a little too big, but not big enough. Right, right, yeah. And it begs the question: If a church gets so uh, to a certain size, should it split and plant another church? You know that kind of thing. Anyway, yeah, I was intrigued by. I mean, what, as you were sharing of you know planting church, planting another church, planting another church. Like, it, do you do you ever feel like boy, it'd be nice just to stay and reap the rewards of your of your work in planning a church because you know you put all that effort in get it growing and and move on and plan another church i it i know for me personally i would struggle at some point where like i, I just want to stay and reap the reward and just like worship with these folks and and stay stay connected and stay right. tied in with these folks and not move on to another place yeah i think uh, you're right and, and that is the uh call for me is almost almost like Paul. Uh, I'm just a missionary going to, to, to here and there and planting. And so for me, it has been, uh, although we have been in uh, Tennessee now for 18 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of parallels, a, a lot of parallels between the church and an organization like F3. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, one of the parallels is an all volunteer organization, right? At least in, in some church, in the churches, <clears throat> at least the staff, the pastoral staff is usually paid. Um, but still, they're trying to lead a, an all volunteer group of people to get the work done. Right. Uh, and in, and in, in getting people to engage and get uh, motivated and uh, inspired to do the work, whether it's working in the nursery or cutting the grass or, you know, leading this ministry or that ministry or whatever, you know, uh, that's, there's so many parallels there, right? Because in F3, it's an all-volunteer organization. It's free. You get men to open all men. You come, some guys come and, and they just do the workout and they go home. Some guys come and they, they get more engaged. Some guys come and they really want to be part of the leadership team. So it's, it's just a lot of parallels there between high, and, and here's the other parallel. And here's, a, I, I, I'm going to find a question in here somehow. Um, how do you measure success? Ooh, I knew that was coming from you. Yeah. So how yeah. do you measure success? So in the church, obviously you measure success about how well you're meeting the mission, right? If you have a mission statement, that's what you're trying to do. How successful are you at it? And I think, again, there's a lot of parallels with the church here because it's really difficult to measure whether you're really making disciples because the number of people attending doesn't necessarily mean that they're all disciples. And right. and just to give you an example of... Uh, Bill Hybels led the biggest church in America. Uh, help me out here in Chicago. Willow Grove. Willow Creek. Yeah. Willow, Grove. Creek. Willow Creek. Yes, not Grove. Willow Creek. Um, anyway, he was he became kind of famous, wrote a lot of books, and they and they're for the seeker sensitive or something like that type of church. Put out a lot of really cool resources and stuff. And then he very transparently, they did a, a spiritual uh, a disciple basically inventory of the spiritual inventory of their, their church. And he, he concluded that they weren't making disciples that were doing all this work. And a lot of people were coming and people were basically, I don't know if he said this, but being entertained or whatever, but he wasn't really making disciples and he was just open and upfront about it. Now I don't remember all the details about that. So take that for what it's worth. Same thing with F3 though. So we're supposed to be invigorating male community leadership. So if you've got, you know, 15 AOs and 30 guys at each AO, whatever, are you, are, are they all, being invigorated to lead or they'll becoming virtuous leaders. So how do we measure success? Um, I don't think there's a real good answer for this, but maybe I want, I want to get your thoughts on this outhouse. What uh, I should call you pastor outhouse <laughs> 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 pastor outhouse. So <laughs> let's just go, let's just go without house. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? Pastor Steve, <laughs> pastor Steve, who is? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pastor Steve. So, uh, how do you? Uh, how do you? What do you think about that? Like, is there a way to measure success in the church? Well, um, 
just be faithful to the Lord. Just just uh, uh, make him famous. Um, just uh, love people and uh, and go after all kinds of people. Um, uh, it's, you're right. It's not just the, about the numbers. Um, um, it's about the spirit of a church and the uh, how well we love God and love other people. Right. Um, I have been really impressed with F3 in the two months that I have been there. Um, we have different people who are always leading, and when they get to the word at the end, um, the word and their testimonies has, has, has been so rich and so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's awesome. Um, and I, you know, I, I think a lot of F3, obviously, um, F3, we didn't really explain it this episode, did we? But yeah, I don't think so. Stands for fitness, fellowship, and faith. The faith part, defined by F3 is believing in something bigger than yourself. But the reason for that is so that you realize you're not the center of the universe and you're there to serve others. So it's your creator first and then others second and your third. We're taught to live third. And that's what a virtuous leader does. Uh, it just so happens that most guys involved are Christian, I guess. But in, in our region, we're, you know, that's how it is. Um, so it's encouraging to hear you talk about your region and your guys uh, like that. Uh, so when, and as an elder at our church, we started advertising F3 in our church and some people got a little, uh, concerned that we were promoting an organization that wasn't a Christian organization. And so, uh, it's, they don't promote it as much as they did. Uh, so you pastor Steve being a pastor, what would you say to that? Um, <laughs> uh, it is a, a Christian organization. Uh, um, um, at least um, our guys—they are are just teaching the Bible. They all always say to the, the others who are there, um, if they don't know. Christ, um, just just consider it, and so um, at least when I look at it, the F three, uh, I see <laughs> the mission that I see is to make uh, Christ uh, known. Okay, yeah. Um the F3 nation leadership would say it's, that's not the specific thing, but, but in the regions, we're all free to lead. And that was, that's what's happening in your region with the guys that are queuing there. Cause when you queue, which means lead a particular workout and you can handle that the way you see fit. Uh, and, and that's what I've seen. I've seen guys faith really grow uh, as part of our region and uh, their, their testimonies and, and that sort of thing. So it's pretty exciting to see. Uh, yeah. It's, it's been a really good vehicle for guys to grow in their confidence as they get more fit, they grow more confident uh, in their leadership skills. And we want to de develop virtuous leaders, and you can't do that, do that if virtues don't exist, and virtues don't exist unless they come from God. And so that's the way I make the connection. Um, and so we've had that kind of impact, I think. Wouldn't you say, dial up? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're doing um, – uh, it's voluntary, of course. All of it's voluntary. Uh, the whole just showing up is voluntary, but uh, nothing's compulsed, kind of compelling to do it. Nobody's compelling you to. I guess we are compelling. I don't know. Compelled? It's not compulsory. <laughs> you don't have to show up. There's no membership card or membership fees. But um, one of the things we do, we do an online devotional through the Bible app on the phone. And so every day there's a, a devotional and there's a, an area where you talk it over. So the guys that are that sign in can make comments after reading the devotional by who the, whoever the author was and the scripture. And then there's the talk it over part where we get to talk a little bit about that. So that's really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really neat to see that. Uh, I don't know whether it's grown or not. I think it's mostly the same core. 
Probably. Core groups. Yeah. I, know, I, I know I don't comment much anymore, but you follow along. I've noticed. And, don't worry. Uh, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm keeping track. You guys always just have so much to say. And right. I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't got anything else to say. Mama said, if you don't got anything to say, keep your mouth shut or don't, <laughs> say, don't say anything at all. No, if you don't have anything good, anything to, good say, to say, don't say yeah. anything at all. Yeah. But I guess I probably do have good things to say. But anyway, I'll try and do better. Yeah, that's okay. All right. So, Pastor Steve, I want to talk to you about uh, what happened to you. You had a stroke. Uh, in the bio, you said you had a cardiac procedure, and that's when it occurred. What was your cardiac procedure? Yeah, um, on June 3rd, I was going to the hospital for what they say was a routine uh, thing. I had AFib, and they were just trying to get the AFib under control. Right. Did they shock you? Uh, it was a bla- a ablation and an ablation, okay. and so they did has they had to put me out. Right. So I, I said goodbye to my wife uh, about six thirty in the morning, and uh, they called my wife from the the room, and they said he is out and everything is good. Good. About four that afternoon. They came to my wife and they said, we can't get him to wake up. Yeah. And there's something wrong. And then they, uh, they uh, were waking me up and they knew that I wasn't speaking. And they took me for a CAT scan and they saw the uh, mass in my brain. They uh, stroke came, came up to my brain on the, left side and uh and that mass is still there <laughs> right so uh an ablation is when they put catheters uh through your arteries and veins uh through your veins to get to the inside of your heart where they could actually burn areas in the inside of your heart to stop the atrial fibrillation uh, yes were you on blood thinners before that procedure I, it's a, a long story. I was on blood thinners and I got a new doctor and he put, took me off about a year before uh-huh. and he had me on a, just aspirin. Right. <laughs> so you were in atrial fibrillation for, for quite a while before you had the procedure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, yeah. You're supposed to be on blood thinners because there is a risk of stroke if you're in atrial fibrillation because when you're in atrial not to get too technical, but clots can form in your heart when you're in atrial fibrillation, and all of a sudden your heart beats normally, squeezes the clot out, and it could have a stroke. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and they say this this procedure, I am special because only about one percent who does this procedure, uh, only about half a percent get a stroke so i got it <laughs> yeah yeah um so you woke up and you couldn't talk you couldn't write either correct yeah i have now was is called uh uh aphasia aphasia and so aphasia is a greek word meaning without words as i as i woke up I couldn't speak, I couldn't read, I couldn't uh, uh, write. And so it affected my my brain uh, in this certain area. Yeah. So, yeah. And so did you have any weakness? It happened on the left side of your brain, so it would have given you right-sided weakness. Did you have right-sided weakness? Uh, just a, a, a little bit for about two days, and I kind of walked that off, and every everything is good there. Okay, and so um, what I know that as you recovered, uh, you got some things back slowly. Obviously, what came back first? Yeah, so I was in the hospital for four days. I didn't really know I even had a a uh, stroke when I got home and as, as I was getting better later on, I said to my wife and I was trying to talk with her, I said, 
uh, I, in the hospital, um, she was asking me, um, how come I wasn't eating? And I said to her, I, did, I didn't even know how to eat. I didn't know what the uh, food was, how to use a fork or a spoon. I didn't even know what was there. I was in a fog. Yeah. Um, and so my kids, my grand, grand, uh, grand, uh, grandkids, they were all saying to me in the first two or three weeks, hey, Grandpa, say dog or say cat. And I couldn't talk at all for about five weeks. Yeah. And how frustrating was that? It was so frustrating for somebody who I didn't know for sure what was going on. And I didn't know um, if I would ever speak again. But I will tell you this right up front. I had a peace. I, I can tell you for sure. God was so real. He was so close. Um, I was praying to him um, with words from my mind, in my heart, without words coming from my mouth. But he was so real. Yeah, that's um Praise yeah, God for that. Great, yeah, great testimony. Because yeah, that's I was I was sitting here thinking like how scary that could be not not knowing whether you're going to regain it. You know, the the experts, the doctors might be saying, "Hey, this is going to you know pass in a couple of weeks and it'll come back." But you know, a lot of folks will be sitting there doubting that and and scared that what what if it doesn't right? Yeah, um, is this going to be the rest of my life living like this? Yeah, but uh, yeah, great testimony that you. You stood firm in your faith that God God had you in his hands and in his arms and had you covered. Yeah. Not all of us have an event uh, or circumstances where we have to face uh, a testing of our faith like that. Uh, I know that I've shared this before, but I, I had a heart attack. Oh, boy, now it's, let's see. Five plus uh, probably eleven years ago, ten eleven years ago. Well, I turned fifty. Thirty-one years ago, forty-one. It was when I turned fifty, so six years ago. <laughs> there goes my math again. Anyway, he, he didn't use his fingers this time. No, just I for didn't. Those that are right, I, I I turned fifty in September, and in uh, late October, I, I had a heart attack playing basketball. And so it started when I was playing basketball, and I I tried to get to the hospital myself. I took a shower got in the car, started driving, and the pain got so bad I had to pull over and call an am- call 911. And I, so I was sitting in my car, alone in my car with crushing chest pain, knowing I was having a heart attack, all alone, just waiting. And uh, in that moment, I, I, had, I had a spiritual peace. I didn't have physical peace because it was hurting, but I had a spiritual peace knowing that I knew, I knew that I could die. And I just it immediately just thought, I'm okay with that. I'm ready. Whatever. Just take care of my family, Lord. So, you know, it's, it's, we don't want anybody to go through something like that, but I think it certainly strengthens our faith when we're faced with something like that, right? And we kind of were tested and we came out hopefully, you know, uh, good and, and uh, our faith uh, stood strong, right? For sure. Um, as I was trying to get back, just uh, they sent me to uh, what I call speech coaches, uh, uh, speech therapy. (laughs) And I I couldn't say therapy for the longest time. So speech coaches. And, uh, and there was a speech coach at our church and they, uh, she came over to our, our house in the first week and she said to my wife, um, Steve cannot wait for one or uh, five weeks to go to the uh, stroke center and start meeting with a, a speech therapist. So she was coming over every night with her friends and, and uh, from her, her practice. And uh, so I'm in a group now with uh, oh, about 15 
other people who have aphasia and some of them had their stroke uh, eight years ago, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. and they are still not talking as well as I am right now. Some of others in the group are talking really well. They are, you can't even tell they have aphasia. But my teachers, we have multiple teachers, they say, God's grace that the, when that girl from our church came over and started working with me in the first week, mm-hmm. that helped me tremendously to get this uh, going. Yeah. Wow. Do you, do you continue to see progress like day to day, week by week, month by month at this point? That's a great question. Um, yeah. I, I do, and so I always read out loud with my wife, and she can tell that it's getting faster, and we're reading uh, complex books with multiple syllable words, and uh, is it always getting better. Um, yeah. Polysyllabic. Polysyllabic. How about that? <laughs> well done. Yeah. Um, well, that, yeah, I was going to ask that very question. That's great. I think, so we know uh, that the brain, the brain, the brain has plasticity. I think that's the word we use that even our oldest folks, even those in their 80s, their brain can still be trained. Yeah. Um, and you do it by practicing and just like anything else. Right and train you, so you're going to brain training, and uh, and so you can continue to make progress and train your brain. It develops new pathways. There's some healing that occurs, and and the neurologic system takes a while to heal. But we know this brain plasticity. Even if you haven't had a stroke, and you think that you know you're only as smart as you can get right now, you're wrong. Um, and guess what? Usually is the answer to training your brain. Dial up. Guess what? Reading. Yeah. Guess what you hate to do. I know. I know. Yeah. Don't worry. (laughs) You'll come up with words like polysyllabic someday. (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously, uh, training your brain and it's reading that really is now other things like doing puzzles or whatever and uh, practicing, practicing. You're talking with your speech therapist and stuff like that. So I don't think anybody could tell you what your limit is as to how much recovery you can have because nobody really knows for sure. Right. Yeah. And, and I can tell how far I have come. Um, some people about Christmas, they were saying, Oh, we still need to see a miracle in Steve. And I said in my heart, in, in, in my mind, <laughs> I was not talking mm-hmm. and now you can understand me. This is already a miracle. If 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 it never get it is it is uh, okay. Slow down. <laughs> if it would never get any better, this is enough because I will give God the glory for what He has done in me and around me. Oh, Amen. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the other aspect of this is our bodies are connected to our minds. And as you get healthier from a physical fitness level, as you improve your fitness, we know that that helps the brain. And so being part of F3 and getting out there and challenging yourself through the fitness aspect of things and the workouts, especially doing it with other guys that are going to be encouraging and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, But just getting that, being outside and exercising helps your brain yes so yes uh, you've only been in it for two months how, how yes the, and go ahead yeah before that um i knew i just i knew in my heart i had to get out and walk yeah. and every morning i was walking now when i got home something from the body was helping me in the brain to get the words out. And so I have been on this uh, 
thing for over a year now, walking, running, and now with F3. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great example, right? I mean, so we know after years of doing this now that the sooner we get our patients up walking, I work in heart surgery. Uh, the sooner we get our patients up walking, the better they do, uh, not just from a physical aspect, but from everything, their attitude uh, and their ability to think more clearly. But but we were made, we were created to move, and when when this machine, this body we were given isn't moving, uh, bad things happen. Yeah. How many days a week do you post? Uh, we go. I go uh, two times a week, but I always uh, run uh, and walk in between. So you're not that's, limited physically by the stroke now at all? No. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. So you can get out there and do that. All right, so I know that um, you're a preacher. Uh, one of the worst things you could do to a preacher is to muzzle him, right? Yeah. And so that must have been very scary and frustrating. And I know you've already shared how you had that peace with the Lord, but recently you just preached again. Yeah, yeah. It was so cool. Um, back up, though, I was I came home to my house the week, week after, and I was in this fog. I was um, this traumatic episode hit my brain. I was going to my office and reading in his word, just looking at the Bible and trying to get words off the pages. And I was writing a sermon with symbols, mm. circles, squares, triangles, uh, uh, arrows. And I know the sermon, it was almost like uh, hydroglyphics. What do you call that? Yeah, hieroglyphics, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And so I know when I look at this piece of paper, what God was saying to me, and I can preach from that piece of paper with symbols. So God was there, and I knew what was happening in me, and, and I, 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 I had not preached that first sermon post-stroke. But last week, my friend said, can you come to our uh, Sunday night service and, and share? And so I... Uh, I had a new sermon. I had been praying and writing it out for about three weeks. I was walking every morning, and uh, and I said, oh, God, you are so good, and you are preaching to me, for me. And so I just shared with that church last Sunday night uh, how good and gracious God has been uh, for me. Wow. Yeah. My mind is blown. Yeah. He he wrote down the sermon in circles, squares, triangles, and arrows and knew what it meant. So, all right. So here's where my mind goes. You're thinking this. the Egyptians uh, all had strokes. No, right? no, 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 no. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, so, so I run the projector at our church some weeks. I'm part of our team that, that runs a projector. So part of our responsibility is to follow the sermon and we generally have an outline and sometimes it's really well written out and sometimes it's, it's not, but we, you know, we obviously have to know when to advance the slides for the, for the pastors. And I'm sitting here thinking if you handed over this sermon with your, with all your symbols and everything like that, what a challenge it would be to know when to go to the, go to the, go to the next slide. And I won't mention names, but there's some pastors in our, in our church that are, that, that were might give it away. <laughs> <laughs> really hard to follow when we would run the projector and uh, others are definitely pretty easy to follow but man the hieroglyphics would like blow my mind i'd be like going forward too soon backwards. <laughs> it's like, uh, well i think yeah, I I'm, I, I, my mind is seriously blown i think that is amazing it is i amazing, think it's yeah. uh god has created us in an amazing way um your brain had to adapt and, and it adapted to write symbols for you to know yeah. what the heck you were writing and remember it and that's that i'm, I'm i can't say it that's enough cool. my mind is blown by that yeah no pun intended but my yeah. mind is blown and that was early, you said that was early on right 
or, or when you, I guess when you first gave your sermon after here, just a short time ago. No, 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 no that, um, uh, that was a story from the uh, first weeks after the stroke. Okay. Uh, all the way back. Okay. And so reading, reading um, came back first. Uh, writing and speaking was so much slower. Um, uh, so again, I was reading a little bit in the first couple of weeks, and then I wrote down this sermon got with uh, shapes. Okay, <laughs> I got it now. Sorry. Yep. Do you still have that? Yeah, you got to keep that as a keep. Yes, I know. I know. I have it. Wow, that's special. So you know, one of the things this might. Please don't be offended by this, but this might be a blessing because everybody wants a shorter sermon from their pastor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. So, uh, but but I will say. Here he thought all those compliments he's been getting about. (laughs) You preach better now than before your stroke, pastor. He he was taking those compliments and you just ruined it. I will tell you this. I'll bet you, you have just as big or bigger impact to your preaching now. Absolutely. Than you did before, yeah. And I, and I don't know you. I never heard your sermons, but I'll bet you you do. Well, I know this. Um, God has changed my. Uh, uh, he has changed me and put me where He wants me, and now I'm around people who have aphasia. Their caregivers, their families, and they know uh, that I am a preacher, and uh, and I, I don't have a big church anymore. I just go day by day for the divine divine appointment that He has for me, right. and I I'm, I love it now. <laughs> Yeah, you know we've talked to other episodes about you know guys that have great stories that show how they've over you know they've overcome different obstacles to to post and to exercise right, and we always have said, yeah, this is a great message for the those guys out there that are afraid to post or won't show up for a workout. Like, what what's your excuse? This guy's still showing up. To me, this speaks to what what's your reason for not sharing the gospel? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. You know, here you're continuing to share and preach um, after your after your stroke. What's What's our excuse? You know, we haven't faced that challenge. Great uh, point. Take it out there and, and, and preach the word. Yeah, aphasia is different for everybody who has who have aphasia. Um, there is a new movie came out this week. Uh, Gabby Gifford. Yep. Do uh, you know who that is? She was the senator yeah. that was that, that was shot, right? Yep. Yes. So. Her uh, dramatic brain injury, she got shot in the brain, was uh, over 10 years ago. And so she has a new movie out this week. And I was watching her on Good Morning America, and she has aphasia. And she is, you you have to uh, pay attention to her. Uh, she is slow and steady, but she gets out what she wants uh, for us to hear. So when I preached last week, slow and steady will win this race. Yeah. Slow, steady will get the word of God across to everybody. And my wife, she said, oh, I like you slow and steady. You used to be so fast. Uh (laughs) And so slow and steady, everybody has to uh, concentrate on you and you get your points across better. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. I, um, the the public speaking that I've done, uh, including on this podcast, I try to remind myself to slow down um, because that's uh, one way that you could get your thoughts together. Uh, but people hear you better, especially if you have dramatic 
pauses, <laughs> et cetera, right? <laughs> so uh, not that you want to employ tricks of the trade or anything like that, but uh, that's definitely true. I heard, I can't remember who it was, but a man came to our church years ago and uh, he had some type of aphasia. I don't think it was from a stroke. I think it was a congenital issue. Uh, but he preached and everybody hung on every word. And it doesn't have to be f- fancy. You don't have to put, you know, 23 points in your message or anything like that. The message was really, really, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the message was, but the mem- I remember the message was really good and it was really well received by everybody. And But people hung on every word because you had to. And he didn't have a lot of polysyllabic words. He didn't have a lot of polysyllabic <laughs> words. That's right. So hey, one one thing I wanted to ask you is so the tr- like the training that you're that you're continuing to do at the aphasia center and with your aphasia group is that is that covered by insurance or is that like an out of pocket of ex- out of pocket expense out of pocket you're shaking your head yeah 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 I was curious just because I, I know around here um, a girl that had played uh, soccer for me actually she played soccer for you at one time too um, her mom. Uh, her father had had a stroke and uh, has a similar story as, as yours. Um, she had opened an aphasia center here locally, and I know she used to do a lot of fundraisers for it to be able to provide the services for free to those that mm-hmm. that, uh, that needed it. So just curious if that was so, a story where you yeah, lived yeah, as well. So, so I will, uh, brag, I will brag, brag on what Jesus did in June. Um, June is... Uh, aphasia awareness month and so I contacted the uh, lady at UT and I said are are there any things uh, are there any things for us to do around town with aphasia awareness month and she said no I said I have an idea so I I got a uh, we have T-shirts, water bottles. We uh, it was a big walk, and the word was out, and people came, and we did raise about four thousand dollars for caregivers, people who have aphasia, their families, and so I was thrilled. This was the first annual Knoxville walk, uh, and uh, it was way better than I even imagined it. That's great. So for our listeners out there, if you're inspired by this story that you're listening to, I encourage you to you know, to get out. I was going to say the yellow pages, but that would date myself. You know, <laughs> Google, see if you got an aphasia center near you. And uh, like I said, if this story inspires you, make a donation to that local aphasia center to, to be able to provide support services for... Uh, for folks like outhouse here yeah yeah great message all right so are you going to preach again do you have something set up or you just taking it as it comes that's uh yeah just as it comes but it's last week when i got done um it's one thing for my wife said oh man that was great my one of my kids was uh he was there. He said, Dad, that, that was so great. People from my old church, they were there. They said, oh, man, that was so great. But the, the pastor friend, he said, just now I have three or four people from my church said to us, we want you to come back and preach a revival, four or five uh, services in a row, uh, like Sunday through Wednesday. I say, I, I said to her, my friend, I said, I will pray about that one yeah. <laughs> because it's a lot. Yeah. Five, five sermons in five days. Uh, well, if God is in it, I will do it. But anyway, there's nothing on books right now. Okay. So, so another question I have. Sorry, no, I'm jumping okay. in. So I, I know you're still relatively new to F3 here, about two months, but have you thought about, or maybe you already have, have you have you let a workout yet? Or is that something on your goal list to, to be able to do at some point in your recovery? Yeah. Yes, that is a great question. And um, I'm 
shooting for August. Yeah. Awesome. Sometime in August. Excellent. And he will put to shame every yeah, guy out there right. who is reluctant to po- to do their first. Yeah, cue. that's why I wanted to know because you know we got those guys that you're like, hey, uh-huh. you ready to cue? No, you ready to cue? No, you ready to cue? No. Hey, we just met a guy this week that had a stroke and he just cued. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got aphasia and he yeah, cued. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this though, when I, I when I got that when we were organizing this walk, it was on the second Saturday of June. There were uh, five people, four people from the F three group that were there. And I, I only knew one of them. And so I was blown away by these guys that I just met. They came a half hour to downtown Knoxville to support this walk for aphasia. And so that is the kind of guys that we are hanging out with. Yeah, that's great. That's a great testimony yep. about those guys. Um I could tell you that if I lived near you and you're going to preach, I'd come listen to you. Yeah. But you're a little Thanks. too far away. Do you have a YouTube channel for your church? Uh, no, I am. Um, or live I'm, feed that you do? I'm, no, I'm not. Uh, because of the stroke and the aphasia, I'll, uh, I'm not I'm not in... Uh, um, I'm not in a church right now. I'm, I'm not a pastor as a, of a church right now. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, um, th- this has been, uh, for me, one of the best episodes. I, I think yeah, I, you, is... you've inspired me. Uh, you've encouraged me. Uh, your faith uh, through this whole thing is genuine. It's real. Folks, listen. This stuff is real, man. Uh, you need to listen to this sermon that Pastor Steve just preached. That's right. On our episode yeah. here. Great stuff, uh, brother. So uh, do you have any other questions for him before I ask one? No, more? I think I've used mine up. Okay. So, Pastor, I got one more question for you. Uh, this is your chance to speak to the men of America. What is your message for the men of America? Well, God's word says to us, just keep our eyes on him. Um, I would say to us uh, as men, lead, lead our families well. Uh, just be the spiritual leader for our families, but also get in a, a church and just serve uh, uh you don't have to preach. You don't have to teach. Just serve with whatever God has given you to serve other people. And by doing that, you're giving him, him all the glory. Mm-hmm. Great message. So um, all you men out there, especially you F3 guys who are supposed to be virtuous leaders, if you haven't figured out, What's real and what's not? If you haven't figured out your faith yet, what are you waiting for? Because you are supposed to be the spiritual leader of your family. If you're going to be a virtuous leader, you've got to lead spiritually. That's just uh, non-negotiable. If you haven't figured it out yet, you better figure it out. And if you ask God, if you earnestly seek him with all of your heart, he will give you the answer. Uh, he will not leave you alone because he loves you. And uh, that's the message I think Pastor Steve would agree with. God loves you. And, yes. Um, and you, you've got you got to figure this out, man. If you're gonna, he just told you you need to lead your family spiritually. He said you need to lead them well, and you better figure it out first. And if you have figured it out, and you're leading your family well, and you're not serving, can you imagine what it would look like if all the men of America who love the Lord really went and went to their pastor and said, "How can we help? Tell us where we could work. Where could we fit in? What could we do to help advance this mission, which is making disciples." Sorry, I'm preaching now. Preach it, brother. Yeah. So what are y'all waiting for out there? Let's go. Um, Pastor, this has been an honor and a privilege and a blessing to hear you tonight. I'm so happy you were able to do this. We know you told us before the podcast that it gets more difficult for yourself to speak at night, and you did great. And I really thank you for that, and I really appreciate you being here with us. Your message was clear. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, and you please let us know if there's anything we can do to help you. 
All right, thanks. We have a we have a website, so I'm told, and <laughs> Spielberg just gave me a dirty look. We we have a website. You can contact us there. You have my number, uh, so yes. you know. Let me know you know how things are going. We'll try to. Uh, give you a clue as to when this episode is going to actually drop so you can listen to it and you can tell all your parishioners and your friends and everybody else to listen to it, okay? All right. All right. God bless you, brother. You too. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.